Well, well, well. It's Mini Flicks number 39. <laughs> How are you guys? <laughs> okay, I guess. <laughs> so happy that you sauntered in here. <laughs> Why don't For we try a, a different rolling start? Uh, Somebody pointed out to Nish that we always laugh during our intros. I thought I'd just keep it going. Fair we're enough. Just, I was, we're I just was that tickled. funny. I watched Borat this week, as opposed to last week when I tried to describe what the movie was and totally butchered it. I, I actually saw it. All right. Borat, Did Borat I, 2, we should say, Borat right? Borat 2, yeah. Yes. Did you guys get it? I assume you have not seen it, but read enough about it. That is accurate for me. Uh, I have. I have never seen anything Borat related. I haven't seen the first Whoa. movie or I haven't seen it was part of a sketch show before that, right? Yeah, it was part of the Ollie G show. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I never I've never seen that either. So I've never seen any I only know Borat like fifth hand from things. Wow. I think that's a crying fucking shame because the first movie, like I almost peed my pants three times watching and it holds up. Yeah, me too. Like it's fucking hysterical. So then what do you what do you guys know and I'll fill in the gaps. You don't want me to do the whole play by play, right? All right. So you, you want me to talk about what I know? No, no. Like, I just, just want to know like the like person who hasn't level. seen I the just... movie can fill in fill in the story. That was a good toss. No, I mean I assume you guys know about the Giuliani thing at the end, right? Right, right, right. So you understand uh, that what 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 I understand is that Borat's going back to the United States. And the reason he's going back to the United States is because he wants to give a gift of some kind to Donald Trump or someone who is high up yeah. in, the, in the Trump administration because he wants Trump to like the, the leader of Kazakhstan so that Kazakhstan can kind of get some, you know, can he, he it can be one of these favored nations the way that Trump well, likes other dictators. Yeah, yeah, he felt out of the cool guy dictator club. So that guy pulled Borat out of jail, had been in jail for 14 years and said, you're going to go to the U.S. and present a gift to the president of the United States. And that gift is our most famous star, some monkey. That's like a porn star <laughs> monkey. Okay. And that will make Donald Trump make me very powerful in powerful man club, basically. So Borat is, gets cleaned up, goes to the U.S., waits for the monkey to show up in a crate, and monkey is not in the crate. Borat's daughter is in the crate, and Borat's daughter had stowed away in the crate and on the travel had eaten the monkey. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Borat decides to pivot and says, well, if I can't give him the monkey, I will give, I will give Trump my daughter instead. And kind of the movie pursues from there. It's kind of tough to tell what was pre-done, what was not. So what I want to start by saying is, Nish, you have seen the first. Like, yes. I think one of the things that makes the first movie like hysterical is he he really uncovers in the first one like racism and just like how fucking shitty we are as Americans in a way that it was like I felt like it was a little more masked back then. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of shock and awe. Here in this movie, it was like, no, 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 we know this is this is the way it is. Um, so it wasn't the shock and awe thing. This movie actually had a lot more plot and was a little more intentional in, in a different way. Right. It seems like it kind of have to be. I mean, one of the things that I remember hearing and you kind of see it in the trailers is that one of the bits they kind of work into the movie is the idea that everyone knows who the fuck Borat is now. So we can't just go around as Borat and fool people. Right. So right, he right, ends right. up having to 
like disguise himself. So it's basically Sasha Baron Cohen disguised as Borat disguised as something else or someone else a lot of the right. time. Right. And as we were filming this, like there was a, I remember, I mean, there was a couple times where people were like, Tim, they must be seeing Borat. Cause when they saw him around town dressed as Borat and then two, right. he kind of got caught. There was one scene I'm trying to remember kind of the main chunks. Cause it's kind of like five chunks of a movie, which you can tell they had to set up the scenarios and COVID, the other thing to point out is COVID happens in the middle of filming this movie and kind of fucked up where the movie was going. He all of a sudden definitely can't get to Donald Trump and has to very quickly pivot to, I'll give my daughter to Mike Pence, who he calls Mike Penis, which is fucking hysterical. So on the route to get there, like there's a couple different stops. Um, Number one, there's like a technology shop, which was definitely not a setup bit where they're playing on the person that owns the technology shop. He gets a phone and that's kind of hysterical. There's one bit where um, the guy teaches him how to airplay and he's like, oh, interesting. And I can look up anything on this pocket computer. He's like, yeah, he's like, I have to go to the bathroom, but it's still airplaying on the TV. And of course, he's looking at porn that's airplaying on the TV. <laughs> um and that's the same person that's kind of involved in sending faxes back and forth where he learns that like, hey, you better figure something out. And essentially the movie really hits its stride less so when it's about Borat and kind of the ridiculous things that he's doing. The real star of the movie is his daughter, whose name in the movie is Tutor, played by Maria. What is her last name? It's like Balakova or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot Imagine. of buzz about her. She was crazy in the movie. Um, and, I, you know, there's been a lot of interviews like, imagine auditioning for this, which is not really an audition. They're basically, Sasha Barrett Cohen's basically like, we're going to go out there and you're just going to ad lib with some strangers and see how it goes. So she was pretty phenomenal. Um I don't even know. Do we call that acting? Do you call it improv? Um, it's a little bit of both, I would say. It's hard. I mean, like, like you said, I think, you know, what, what Sasha Baron Cohen does is pretty hard, um, yeah. I would say. And so it's impressive that they found someone who could kind of play off him uh, yeah. reasonably well, it sounds like. So the kind of the progression of the movie is like we have to take her who is this like kind of wild animal of a child that will eat a monkey <laughs> and transform transform her into somebody that Mike penis will want to like take as his bride. So that's where like a lot of her stuff is at one point, like she gets a makeover you've seen in the previews where like he takes her to like a cupcake shop and she eats the little plastic baby and then go see a doctor. And he's basically like, inferring that he's put the baby in his daughter this little plastic baby she ate off the cupcake um the funniest part of the movie that is reminiscent of the first movie is um to train her how to be a little more um elegant they attend a deputant's ball where um they're going to do like this first dance and they're dressed very nicely and right before the dance she whispers to borat and says like it's my moon blood or some shit <laughs> so they're doing the first dance and she starts to hike up her and this is like people down south all like dressed to the nines she starts to hike up her dress and it's just like 
period blood everywhere and then she proceeds to lie on the ground and spread her legs out with just like blood all over her legs and like mortified people there that's that was like the equivalent to the first one with the naked guy chasing him around it's like holy shit i can't believe they did that uh yeah and then on the way to get to the republican national convention to like intercept mike pence covid strikes and you can tell they have to figure out what the fuck do we do now and how do we write this into the plot so somehow some folks in the middle of the country have never heard of Borat and he commits He's like, what's going on? And they're like, why aren't you wearing a mask? And he's like, I don't know what's going on basically in his Borat voice. And they said, well, it's COVID. And he's like, can I stay with you? And he had to, and they said, yeah. So he goes and stays with these kind of uh, QAnon like believers for five days and has to stay in character for the whole time. And again, it wasn't wacky stuff. It was just like, he did a really good job of, in a weird way of humanizing these people. Interesting. I don't want so these like, people humanized. Right. That's, a, that's, <laughs> that's kind of what I was thinking, but I, 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 I get I what you mean either, but he basically points like he just allows them to talk in, in his Borat way without judgment. He, he basically is like, really? How does that work? What? You know, and he just lets them go. And like, you can tell that it's not, necessarily that they're totally shitty people they just really believe in really really dumb shit yeah no i I know what you mean there was a this is off topic for borat but since you're talking about QAnon for a second it's like there was a very interesting article that i read the other day about basically a a guy in australia who would like become a total QAnon believer and then had like sort of like gotten out of it kind of kind of like like basically like he got out of it when he started realizing that nothing that q predicted was like coming true and like, so he kind of had a reckoning at some point, but it was definitely a thing like reading how he got into it and reading like who he was now and all that. It was definitely a thing where it's like, yeah, like not all these people are shitty people. They just like, it's just weird how like a certain type of personality, like, and like the way the internet is and all that, it's like, you can just like fall down a rabbit hole. I mean, this, you know, Paul, you've, you know, you're, you've, you've gotten really, I want to say this correctly because I was about to say I was about to say you've really gotten into conspiracy theories and that was going to come out wrong. But what I what I what I mean is that you are interested in how people like get into conspiracy theories, and I feel like that's kind of you know obviously it's like the same thing. Yeah. Um, yes. No, I mean but, it's 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 yeah. No, it's true. I mean it's 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 a lot of like the internet in some ways is kind of like the internet that we've built is kind of crafted to do this in right. a way that like, you know, you watch YouTube and it reinforces, like it kind of leads you down the rabbit hole famously into like, it, like a, it's like a, a stepping stone or I guess a descent, right? It's, yes. It's like, definitely here's a descent. something a little more fringy than what you were just watching. Okay. Here's something a little more fringy. And like the next thing you know, right. You're watching these crazy conspiracy theory videos and it's, it's wild how, and like, the internet was supposed to bring all this knowledge to all these people. And, and what it's really done is created like these insular pockets where you can find all the people who think like you and never get your viewpoints challenged or um, have to have any like self-reflection. And you can just, it's just like constant reinforcement of like, yes, this viewpoint is right. This viewpoint is right. Um, and it, and it's, and like those two things and a couple other things kind of come together in this fascinating like way that just is like a breeding ground for conspiracy theories, which is, mm. which is interesting. 
Yeah. And also the demonizing of people that don't have those point of views, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. It, it, it almost feels like if you have like any kind of like strongly held belief like like that, and, and I'm not just talking about conspiracy theories, it can even be, you know, I don't believe in any conspiracies that I can remember, but like I have strongly held beliefs about things. I feel like you almost owe it to yourself to like look up the videos or like the websites or whatever it is that argue the opposite just to like, like, you know, maybe you hear the opposite argument and you're just like, that's fucking insane. Like that makes me even think what I think even more, or maybe hopefully a thing like QAnon, you like say like, well, let me just look at like what the people who say that QAnon is a, is a trash say. And like, you know, if it's a well-reasoned argument, you might be like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense as to why this is dumb instead of just like never seeking out that other side of the argument. So I am curious about something not to, not to put us back on topic, but I am curious about something um, mm-hmm. in, in these movies. How dare you? <laughs> so there's the artifice of the narrative, right? That this guy is like Sasha Baron Cohen. He's playing this character. Right. And I assume for the sake of the movie, he's basically in character the whole time. It's never like, Oh, I'm going to like pretend to be Borat and go talk to these people. Watch like, um, and so my question is, what is the justification, for instance, when he's staying with these people, it's obviously not just him. He has a whole film crew with him. So what's like the justification for that? Like, how do, how do they explain that? Like, well, I'm going to be filming all this, even if he, and maybe he's not, maybe it's just him and a camera, like he's operating himself, but he's still filming himself. So how do they, somebody's following him, but I don't know how he justified it to them for other people. <laughs> Example, it's creeping me out. Nisha's screen is frozen. He's got a really big smile. <laughs> really? Um, Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are other characters in the movie, for example, um, that time when he goes and um, stays with the QAnon guys, they had to find a way to separate him from his daughter because I don't think they can get away with like, we're all going to come party with you guys for five days. So the plot mechanism was like, Gradually over the course of the film, she's realizing that like the the views of their country, which is like she has this book that Borat gives them with all these terrible things, essentially like about how women should be like should strive to be get their own cage to sleep in instead of sleeping in cages with other women. And she starts to realize in America as she's learning to become more civilized that like, oh, this shit is fucked up and I can be anybody I want in America. So the so the mechanism for that is um he lets he gives he gets her a babysitter for a week so that he can figure out what's next. So with her, that babysitter was a goddamn saint. And Borat was pretty like, you know, pretty shitty because he's coming from this old Eastern European, like women are slaves person like character perspective. Uh, and they told her that he was like immigrating here and basically needed help figuring out where he and his daughter will stay. And then like in the course of her babysitting his daughter, he kind of is lets that babysitter know like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm basically going to sell her. So they they have stories for it. The QAnon people. I don't know. I don't know what their deal was. I don't don't know how they, what the story was. Yeah. I mean, back backpedaling a second since you haven't seen the first movie, Paul, the, the conceit of the first movie is that he's a journalist by trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he goes, when he, in the first movie, he is coming over here to film a documentary about America 
for the people of Kazakhstan. Like, okay. like here's what America is. So, like, in the first movie, there's, like, a reason, obviously, he's traveling with the crew the whole time. Like, he's basically, like, I'm a reporter from Kazakhstan, and I'm, like, learning about your country and, like, making sort of a documentary about America. So there is that. I mean, this this uh, this movie is obviously a fair amount different because, like you said, it actually has a more of a plot kind of a, a, a fake true. plot that's going he, on. He does mention that in the movie that he's like number one journalist in Kazakhstan. So it's possible they use that ruse all over again. Right. <clears throat> okay. Now, so... s- some of the things um, you, you mentioned, like he kind of gets caught like what i remember was there were there were two incidents that i can remember very well uh one of them is where he is um kind of like a country singer or something like that at like a redneck rally and he starts saying all kinds of like racist crap and they kind of boo him off the stage and the other one is um i assume probably the mike pence part which is where he's basically dressed up as like a donald trump impersonator at the uh at the uh cpac the conservative political action uh conference and kind of you know says a bunch of stuff i remember those happening like when they happened like they were kind of in the news but the secret was that nobody knew it was a borat that it was for borat because he wasn't dressed as borat he was you know dressed as something else and they everybody thought that he was trying to film it for his showtime series uh who is america you know they had the first season a couple years ago and everyone assumed that it's like oh he's doing another season and these are like stunts he's doing for that so I think it was still a surprise that it was for Borat. Like no one really knew that there was a Borat movie going on, except like you said, like in the last few months, there were like these, you know, sightings of like, oh, like he's going around town dressed as Borat all of a sudden here and there. I mean, those were the there were three scenes that definitely required a shitload of planning to pull off. That one, the the one where he's singing on stage and singing like, you know, totally racist things about Obama and, and ISIS and everything. The the mechanism for that was um, he and his daughter got split. She was like, fuck you. I never want to talk to you again. And they must have done a lot of like setup work with the producers because he had the QAnon guys going on QAnon websites. And there was a picture of his daughter on a QAnon website saying she was attending one of these rallies. And he's like, we got to go there. And he convinces these guys to drive them there. And then he's able to work his way on stage in costume, looking very similar to the lead singer of a band that was on stage that day. His producer somehow convinced that lead singer to come with them for a minute. And Borat went on stage and started singing this messed up song. (laughs) From what I've seen afterwards, it's like, People started getting pissed and rushing the stage. He had to run away and they had rented an ambulance and he hopped in the ambulance and they were trying to rip the doors open to the ambulance. And they were like, essentially like, um, you know, a bunch of um, clan members there with guns and shit. Right. It's kind of an NRA gathering. They had to drive the fuck out of there fast. Right. Um the other, the other scene that required a lot of planning was the CPAC. I mean, it's kind of fucked up the way he got in. He wore a Ku Klux Klan outfit and just walked through the front door. <laughs> That's how he got in. Jesus. And then he hid in a bat. He hid in a bathroom for like eight hours or nine hours with the costume. One of his other people brought the costume in. He had to put on a fat suit to look like Trump. <laughs> get all spray tanned up. And just sit in a bathroom stall till the timing was right, 
and then carried his daughter in and started screaming at my pens till he got walked out. Nobody took his ID. Nobody arrested him. They just kind of walked out and he got all the footage he needed. And then the last one was at the, you know, the climax of the movie is, um, is the Giuliani bit, which I probably don't need to dive into what happened there. Everybody's kind of seen it, but the interesting part of it is the, or heard the about setup, it at least. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, Giuliani doesn't just roll into a hotel room, you know, He's got like a team of security there. Right. But they're gonna they're not just gonna be like, go on in. Like security's gotta sweep the room. So he had to have a special like armoire built with a little compartment that he could hide inside of. And the interview is going on the whole time and he's can kind of hear it, but he has not a lot of communication. He goes to open his cell phone. I saw this on Colbert last night. He goes to open his cell phone because his team is like texting with him, letting him know when it's time to jump out. And the phone's at like 3% battery. So he's freaking out because he's in a closet. There's like New York State troopers all around the hotel outside the front door. So they basically close the door. He's doing the interview and the cops are on the other side of the door. He's hidden in this closet. But eventually, like when the moment comes, like he gets the text at the right moment. He's able to pop out and, and surprise Giuliani. So... What I'll say is that the one arc that's not obvious is he starts off kind of as your typical male narcissist pig and through the journey of watching his daughter discover like this is not, you know, the way it's supposed to be. He actually turns the corner and becomes quite, quite liberal himself, realizing all the shit that he admired in his dictators was wrong. Um, good, good for so him. Let me ask you this. Like, do you think... Like, clearly, do you think he could pull off another movie like this? Or, like, every time he does one, it's got to get harder. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, is he at the point now where it's just too hard he couldn't do it again? Or, I mean, I like, I think the story has been told is the thing. I guess it really depends on the times, man, right? I right. feel like the first movie, I think a lot of people were put off by it because they were expecting a rehashing of the first movie. And that's that's not the, that was not the point of this. Mm -hmm. The point of this was to acknowledge that, like, you're not looking for shock and awe. You're looking for a, a bit of a storyline here. And, and I don't know. I, saw, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like somebody pulled the covers off in the first movie. And in this movie, it was just like standing there and really examining what's under the covers now. So, yeah, no, I, I understand that because it's less like like you said, I feel like it's like you don't need a movie to tell us, you know, that there's some pretty horrible people and pretty horrible things going on in this country sometimes. Not not at this point. Yeah. Yeah. This was really just like, all right, there's a naked guy under those covers, and now you're gonna fucking stare at that <laughs> naked guy. It's not so pretty. So he did a but like I said, he did a good job of not not pointing fingers in in an interesting way. Was this a good movie? It was <laughs> like surprisingly. I and honestly, I watched the first like fifteen minutes and I kind of checked out the first time. I was like, no, I'm going to give this a shot. Um, if you want, like, like roll on the floor, laugh your ass off. You watch the first one, and honestly, the promo stuff he's been doing for this movie is amazing and kind of more more interesting than a lot of the movie. But the movie will like give you the backdrop to really enjoy that promo stuff. Hmm. You should see it. But um, with the caveat is you're, you're only going to want to, you will only want to watch it once. 
where the first movie, I think you could watch it 20 times, and that's why everybody quotes it all the time. Okay. And Paul, you should definitely see the first one. <laughs> that's good. I'll get- I, 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 I agree. All right. So where I thought it was going to be mediocre, I'll actually upgrade that to this is a, it's not great, but it's, but it's very good one-time viewing. You know, you talked about him hiding in the, in the armoire <laughs> or whatever and, and getting text messages with no battery left. There's so many people I know like that who who've, seems like their phones are constantly on the verge of running out of battery. Willie's raising his hand. And I don't understand. I don't me understand neither. how people live with that level of, of anxiety, for one. And me like, neither. It stresses me the fuck out when I see someone that has low, uh, low see, battery. It's all about perspective, because my response to that is, you're not living, at least till you're in the yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying, like, you need, to, you need to get down into, like, 5% just to feel alive kind of territory? <laughs> Let's take a look right now. I'm in yellow. What am I at? 14%. 14%. You're, you're insane. What are you at, Paul? Uh, I don't have my. Hold on, let me check. I don't have the percentage on. Ah. Because why would I? Um, well, approximate it. I am about. I'm. I'm at somewhere around ninety percent. Okay, pretty high. Yeah, I'm there's at, no fun in that. I'm at seventy three. So, and I can't tell you how many times people are like, "Why don't you just get one of those external chargers or whatever?" To which my response is, "If I could remember to charge the phone." Like I can't remember to charge the phone. I'm not going to remember to charge the charger, <laughs> right? It's, it's right. I, it's, I imagine yeah, for most people, the problem isn't they can't find a charger. Chargers are plentiful, right? Um, by right. and large, it's that they don't use them, right? Right. So I've done that before, and then I walk around with this charger that's dead and a phone that is now <laughs> dead, and I'm like, great. Now I have two dead things to charge up. Well, whatever works for you. I couldn't. I could. I couldn't live with that kind of stress. Me neither. When I see screen, when when I see like screenshots like on online of like someone's like phone, if it has the battery thing up in the corner and the battery is like below twenty percent, I can't even look at the screenshot itself. I'm just like, oh my god! Like charge your phone. Yes, yes, uh, definitely. Like I, I can't remember the last time I, I had to go into like low power mode on my phone, for instance. Oh, this is great. This, this, this definitely. Now I'll start screenshotting and random texting. You just rubbish for my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Happens every day. Just trolling, trolling us. Has this battery it you- low enough for you? <laughs> To, to add to your uh, anxiety, I also don't charge my laptop that much, and that is perpetually dying. Oh God, I can't even. Do you guys clear out your inboxes? Um, I, I'm not sure that's the same. I'm not sure that impulse comes from the same place. Yeah, that I mean, beings... I I do and I don't, which is to say, I clear out my inbox, but there is like old emails from like years and years ago that were not cleared at some point i'm not going back and doing that so it's like so basically i perpetual like my zero emails is actually 888 emails when i get to 888 it's like all right i'm cleared out i don't know where those 888 emails are they're like years back i have no idea what they say you know they're all probably promotional or of some kind so i just checked my inbox has 34 emails in it and my rule is it, it can only stay in my inbox if it requires me to take some kind of action on it. Otherwise, it goes away. 
So I have some. I have fifty-one thousand five hundred. Oh my god! Marks. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Wait, this will make you feel better. I have three thousand five hundred forty-seven unopened emails in my inbox. <laughs> I don't understand. Do you also, when you do your laundry, do you just keep it all in the bin and just like tear through it to find clothes too, or do you actually put no, stuff away? No. <laughs> my physical space is much more orderly than my digital space. 